Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salone. It's your boy Alex Nicholas coming to you. You know we're coming to earlier in the week that is urgent on a on a somber 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 Tuesday. I mean, Anthony, I, we were texting each other all day, and I probably we both probably had the same expressions on our faces, expressionless. I, I the, the news just really shot my day down, man. I, I mean, you uh, you and uh and thousands of other of other minor fans, and obviously the news hit today that Aaron Jones is out for the season. Uh, ligament damage is is what is being talked about. I can't confirm that, but that's what they're saying. Some ligament, a couple ligaments were torn in the ankle. Again, not confirmed, but either way, he did have surgery today on that ankle and is out for the season. So that's obviously a huge hit, huge hit to the minor football team. And um, well, I, mean, I don't even know where to get started, man. I don't even know where to start with this. Yeah, I mean, I guess we get started there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's all, like, like you said, I mean, like everybody, obviously it's tough. I mean, what, where do you go? That's really the next question out of that. Where does this offense go? Where does this team go? Um, you know, the big thing that, that was noticeable um, you know, for maybe not maybe not on TV as as pretty much majority of people were watching, but but when I was there at the game, it's just how demoralizing that was to the sideline. And um, you know, Cougar talked about it on Monday in his presser how it deflated the sideline, deflated him, and him acknowledging that yes, that happened, that that doesn't need to happen again is a start. But still, I mean, wh- where do you go when your offensive game plan and it's totally built around him? Every like we talked about it before we came on there, the the. Every pass progression was involved in there, and every rundown was involved in there when he's on the field. The wildcat was, you know, the, the wild minor was made to, you know, open him up more diversity in the run. I mean, where does this offense go? Um, but, you know, let's start with – I think what we should kind of point out here is that as deflating as it is, we're definitely not giving up on this season because that. there's two games. But what I want to talk about is the preventable maintenance that could have avoided this. This, this was avoidable. This is break down that situation here. It's 31-17. Our defense, you know, we'll get into that later about the, how tough, how, how rough it's been for our defense. But the situation at hand, as bad as it was in the first half of our defense, 31-17. But <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but we had the ball with about three minutes left. Roughly. Basically an opportunity to kind of – all you really needed there was a first down. Yeah. You really just needed a first down, get into the half, down two scores. With the way Aaron was running, the way things seemed that they could go – you, being down two scores with the ball in the second half was not a bad position for us to be in at that Definitely point. Not. It really was not. not. And what do we do? We start, In a situation where I talked about it earlier, where you compare this to basketball, in the last three minutes of a quarter in the NBA, the last two minutes of a half, you're one of your best players in foul trouble, what do you do? You sit on you run two dives up the middle that probably could have been yeah. better suited for a Darren Lufasa. Yeah, exactly. And that second down, Aaron gets hurt. Don't even want to talk about the third down because that was the game right there. I mean, that approach was just beyond me. Now, let's, that let's, whole let's step back for just a second and talk about it. I think we would have been in the game with Aaron Jones, but there was no question that our defense, and that's, we'll get to that in a second, our defense could not stop them at all. We had no answers to that stake. They had 31 points in the first half. At least with three minutes to go, they did. And we needed them to be at 31 points for the game to yeah. have a chance to win. So that's 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 neither here nor there. But that the the fact that the game was out of I get, the game wasn't really gonna be won, to be honest with you, because the way they were going, we were gonna have to score 50 to win, yeah. and we weren't gonna score 50 with or without Aaron Jones. That's just not our offense, not our team. But yeah, you're completely right. And, and it's all about game management, decision making. You got to go out there and you got to know what the situation is. 
And are you content? First of all, three minutes left is plenty of time to score, especially against a defense, a Swiss cheese defense like Texas Tech. So make your decision. What are you going to do? Are you going to go out there and try to run the clock out, or are you going to try to score for the half? Are you content going down two scores? Which is fine with me. You're going to get the ball first in the second half. I'm cool with that. You know, if you want to go out there, waste the clock, run it three times, and punt it away and try to hold them, fine. So be it. But why are you doing it with Aaron Jones? Not only that, why are you doing it with Aaron Jones when you're already giving Aaron Jones 20 touches in the first half? That's crazy to me. That's just that it's, – it's, it's unacceptable, man. You, you cannot do that. It's inexcusable. First of all, to give your star player – I understand getting the ball in the hands of your star player. I completely understand that. You always want to do that. That's going to give you a better chance to win the game. But when he's your only option, you're asking trouble. I talked to you, tell you in the first quarter of the Arkansas game, and I asked, what are they trying to do, kill Jones? Literally. I mean, it was, it, it was inevitable that he was going to get hurt the way they were playing him. Like you talked about progressions, whether it was a run play or a pass play. On the pass plays, all 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 of Leftwich's progressions was, was to Aaron Jones, if not throw it away. It, it was everything was to Aaron Jones, man. When you get the guy, when you get the guy that so many touches against, I mean, granted, Texas Tech isn't a great defense, but there's still some big guys out there. That's still Big Twelve football. Yeah. When you're getting pounded on every single play, even if you're gaining ten yards, it takes its toll, and all it takes is one like I saw to mess something up. He's out for the season. That's just completely inexcusable, man. I mean, not to mention that he was on pace for probably 50 touches in that game, bro. That is unheard of. That's unheard of. 50 touches for one guy? I don't care how many pounds. I know I've heard the excuse that they were talking about, oh, you know, he just seems like he's put on some weight. He can take it more. That's fine. You want to get your guy 25 carries a game, 30, 30 touches, 35 touches? Fine. Do that against UTSA. Do that against, do that against Old Dominion on the road. Do that against FIU. I mean, these two games, just, I mean, it's just so simple. I mean, you know, we're not coaches, and we're not going to come here and sit here and try to break everything down like we know what's going on. But it's pretty damn obvious that these two games were going to be hard to win with the game plan that they put ahead. And what was that game plan? Pound Aaron Jones. Now, I'll give them credit because in that second half of that Arkansas game, they kind of realized, you know, hey, let's tone it down. Jones didn't play in the, first, in the fourth quarter. I didn't. I can't even remember Jones playing that much in the third quarter. But I mean, it's just that, that game management situation has just been an issue with Higgins, and I don't know if it's Higgins or Cougar since, or, start, since, since, since the since start day one. since day one. Since it's day just, one. it's just been, and that was just, you know, it, that really what I thought just really summed up the, the first game of the season was that first that last segment there in that second half I mean I'm, that was that you, you really don't want to put blame when a player goes out no, because it happens you but at the to. end of the day with the way that it unfolded some one of these Look, coaches have I to say accountability I said it, for I the said it in, 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 the, in one of the threads on the comments the, I'm so upset right now I'm so angry that Aaron Jones is done for the season but it is not about him just being hurt it, it's not just the fact our star player is out it's the fact that it could have been prevented. Easily now, prevented. granted, sometimes things are going to happen and guys are going to get hurt. And you know what? If it would have happened, some freak injury, some freak play, whatever. But when you do it over and over and over and you just keep giving the guy the ball, you're asking for him to be hurt. And not only that, but the, I mean, everybody in the stadium, when, when Leftwich turned around, everybody in the stadium, much less the guys that are quicker, more athletic on the defensive side, knew that that was going to be a slam right up the middle. And what did they do? Stuff it. 
I mean, we got five yards, I think, on those first two plays, and they weren't hard. And, and, and the play itself was kind of a – it seems like he had Aaron wrapped and maybe his foot got caught up. I haven't yeah. gone back and looked. Something but it like wasn't – but it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't a freak injury. It wasn't a hard hit. It just was one of those plays where they had it covered. The guy – whoever made the tackle had great technique, and Aaron's foot got rolled up. That – you've got to kind of – you've got – in a game, like you said, where – it may have been almost out of hand, but it was still close enough where you get that ball in that second half. Hey, what if you get a first down there in that situation? Well, what do you do then? Maybe that changes. But the fact of the matter is that damn play call with two consecutive dives to Aaron Jones where the defense is just sitting there and they're probably just laughing like, serious? You're really you know, just going to run your best player to right at us? And, we and, and it was it? something that I mean, Texas Tech talked about. The guys that cover Texas Tech talked about heading in, talking about our only option is Aaron Jones. And I kind of laughed it off thinking, no, we, we got more options than that. And that just showed we don't. Yeah. We don't. And the coaching staff showed that, that either, either one, somebody hasn't stepped up and, and earned that trust, or two, they just don't trust anybody. And that's kind of disheartening because what I saw in camp was a lot more diversity. You know, I've seen them open up that pass more in camp. Now, granted, Aaron wasn't in there. Of course, he was on a pitch count in, in, in camp. But They've been working on on stuff without Aaron. So while that is good for you know the current situation, but where was that Saturday? Where was that against Arkansas to kind of see where everybody else is at? We know where Aaron's at. We know what we're getting out of Aaron yeah. Jones. Trust me, that's not even a question. The fact is, why hasn't Trayvon Hughes gotten more carries? Lil Fossa has gotten a decent amount of touches, but Man, forget you know, about it's the just, carries. It's forget just, about the carries. Where is the opening of the playbook that we were promised in the offseason, man? Where is that? That's what I'm looking for. Of course, we're sitting here talking about Aaron Jones. The big news that hit today, Aaron Jones is out for the season with an ankle injury, had surgery today. Y'all want to chime in on the conversation, 347-9904-951. We'd love to hear y'all's comments, questions, uh, whatever takes y'all have on the situation. Uh, We'd love to hear y'all. So go ahead and call in, leave us a message on the uh, open threads or whatever else you want to do. But, man, I'm looking for that that play calling that we were told – and you know you saw a couple things here and there in the in the in the uh, in the Arkansas game in the Tech game when we had lots of Pinky stuff like that that you you don't have to start in one game or like you said every single time we see leftwards turn around we play is going and you don't give yourself a chance and you ask for of course, none of the coaching staff ever wanted Aaron Jones to, to get hurt. Of course not. You know, they really wanted it to happen, but they asked for it to happen. They were naive, and it was negligence, bro, to be honest with you. That's what it was. It was just kind of going out there blind, not worrying about it, and just going, just go run it, and we'll see what happens. That's exactly what they did, and look what happened, man. That I, I, I mean, it's inexcusable. I don't understand it. And now the, the worst part about it is that now – you hear Coach Cougar talk about, oh, well, now we're going to open up the playbook. Well, of course you have, you are. You have, you have to. to. <laughs> you have to. But you put all your, your eggs in one basket with Aaron Jones. And, and granted, Jones is a star. You know, and, and I told you this last, last week, he's going to play at the next level, period. He is at some point. I know some guys were talking about it in the thread saying that he may leave after this year. I don't think that's not likely at all. Now, he may leave after next year if maybe. he has a big year. But that's, that's a different story for another day. But, I mean, it's – my issue with it is, look, I don't mind if game six, game seven, and we get off to a hot conference USA start, and you want to pound Aaron Jones, that's fine. That, that, that is part of your game plan. But in a game like this where 
you you want to win it, of course, you have a chance in that situation, but that's a situation where you want to work your Lufasas in. You want to work your Trayvon Hughes for those types of – hell, why not work on a two-minute drill right there? Why not? What do you have to lose that game? Either way, whether that drive – whether that drive – UTEP's able to move the ball and get a first time or not. It's like you talked about. We're not that – a world beater on defense where that's guaranteed we're getting that we're going to stop them in the second half that we can make that one key tweak at halftime and be able to shut text down no let's let's move our options there is talent there there is guys on the depth chart that can be productive that's my biggest thing is early in the year in a game in texas tech where it was that one play like we saw getting out of hand and that could have been preventing it just so early in the year where i really thought the play calling and the in the uh, the play calling and the game plans have been so conservative. They've been so short pass, not turn the ball over. I get that. I can live with that. Cougars talked about that was their game plan. Okay, he owned that. I can respect that. But why why go that far? Why take it that extra step with with, with putting Jones at risk? And, and it's so early in the year, like I said, game game seven, we're two and one in conference. We're three and one in conference. We have an opportunity to win a bigger game. Hell yeah, give Jones 18 carries in the first half, 20 carries, but not in game two against Texas Tech when it's already seen that, look, we got something different here. Yeah. It's just this game management just has to get no better. There was no question, man. Our defense at that point could not stop them. They had already scored 31 Screens, points. So regular pass. that just handing the ball off to Aaron every single down was not, not going to work. It was not going to work. And yet, again, like we've seen so many times from the staff with, with – the offensive play calling, just, just trying to shove that square peg in the round hole over and over and over and over. And, and it's just so it's so predictable. And, again, I mean, I, I just I, – I, I'm trying to grasp how people on the outside can see it and the people that are in it cannot. Because, like I told you, man, and you were on the same page. And not only that, I'm sure plenty of other people out there listening to this right now know or, or thought, hey – why are you running Aaron Jones so hard? Why are you going to Jones every single play? Why are you getting him beat up like this on every down? On in game in two, game one team. and two, and and against Arkansas, it was almost worse. I know he got more carries in the first half against against Tech, but in against Arkansas, there was one stretch where he got like four or five touches in a row. You're talking about carry catch, carry catch. He's getting pounded every time, man. I mean, look, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what else to say about it. I just again, I don't understand how. How this could, how they could let this happen? I, I don't get it. Now, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and so on. But from from the beginning, man, I saw this coming, and I'm sure many people did as well. You you're asking for it when you when you when you do this to a guy, you're just asking for him to get hurt. That's why they talk about you know in, in the NFL like the curse of the three hundred carries and whatnot. You know the guys just once you put them through so much, they're never the same again, right? I mean, it's no different at this level. I mean it. You know, where do you go from now? I mean, that that's kind of, I guess, we can lead in, into our next topic. And, and really kind of just to end that, it's not really – you can't really put a blame on the offensive line. You can't put a blame on Jones. The coaching staff just has not put this offense in a position to use all of his disposable weapons and all the things working on it in camp. That's what kind of frustrates me more is because when I'm watching camp and the practice that I'm able to get – that's not the offense they were running in camp. They weren't just turning around and handing it. They were throwing. Receivers were running routes. There was three wides. There was tight ends in the slot. There was so much more diversity. Now, okay, if you don't want to throw your hand in week one, well, you're showing your biggest hand. 
your biggest middle finger to the defense with Aaron Jones. It just does not make sense. I mean, these next two games, and we'll get into it, but there are big barometers before pressure needs to get put on the staff as far as, you know, let's go out there and let's have a different approach because the approach so far against these power teams, and let's not get this mistaken where we're here expecting wins against power teams. No, that's not going to happen. We've These first two games shown that UTEP is still three, four, five, maybe even six recruiting classes away from competing. But at the same time, there are certain things that the coaches can do to kind of help out that and close that talent gap. Yeah. And we just haven't seen it. We just have not seen it against so, these, these first two games. So I guess, I guess the biggest question is then, like you're saying, where do you go from here? And we'll start with personnel-wise. I know that they already made the move to, to take L.A. Dow back from the defense, put him back on offense. I, I mean, you're, I, just, I just saw, you know, to kind of compare it to, to NFL, uh, I just saw our best, as I say our my team Cowboys. I'm a Cowboy fan, whatever. You know, don't, Des Bryant. Don't put me in that <laughs> Des Bryant, you know, goes out with with a broken foot, and now, you know, you make a trade, pick up a wide receiver and Bryce Bennett or what's his name? Uh, Bryce Butler from Bryce San Butler. Diego State. Um, but you know, you you try to make these moves to kind of make up and, and take the place of these guys, but you're never going to be able to do that. And it's the same thing here. I mean, you can move L.A. Dow from the defensive offense, and L.A. Dow's a great talent, but you know Aaron Jones. Nobody on that field is. I'm, I'm not sure that there's another running back in the Conference USA that's as good as Aaron Jones, and I may be a homer on that, but the guy is, is, a, is an amazing talent, and you're just not going to replace him. So personnel-wise, what, what do you do? I mean, Well, obviously, what they're going to do is La Fasa and – you know, Jeremiah has really came a long way. I mean, he's more of that. He's been that short down back, that kind of decoy. We go two tailbacks, you know, out of the passing game, good pass blocker. But the guy I'm really looking forward to, and I just really hope, you know, this is the highest. I, I, I did my homework today on this, going through the basketball recruiting classes. Trayvon Hughes is the you know, highest rated recruit Kugler has signed next to Kalon Beverly. And that's a guy I really feel that kind of got – it was tough for him to get going against Arkansas. It was tough to get going against uh, Texas Tech, even with their speed. But this is a New Mexico State game where Trayvon Hughes is a guy that's going to have a lot of stuff. I would call it pressure because he's going to have a lot more care. He's going to have a lot, a lot more responsibilities. And he had a really strong spring, and I know somebody brought that up. Somebody left a damn good comment on uh, on the Aaron Jones injury. Let me scroll down here so I can find out who that was and give him some love on here because he was basically saying, where, where is Hughes? And it was from Dallas Mavericks. uh commented obviously he's a disappointed fan but I think he hit it right in the head about the highly talented freshman Trayvon Hughes I wrote about him before a lot of people are talking about it this is, could be a guy that may, like you said is you, you don't replace Aaron Jones but he can come into his own and that would be tremendous to see a guy like Jones because or a guy like Hughes step up because like I said we haven't had that big time highly rated recruit you know over the past couple of years they've all he's all been really good project fit schematic fit but a guy like Hughes, was, he has that extra gear that can provide more versatility than a guy like Lufasa, than a guy like L.A. Dow. So I think Hughes is that wild card to be able to step up. And, and not only this, but think about this for a second. Kavika Johnson. Yeah. But what if you move Kavika Johnson for tailback? And not only that, a great question we received on Twitter, which I don't think is going to happen, but do you go to a quarterback switch? Now, we talked, about Mac, we talked about Mac Leftwich before, and we're kind of – we differ on it, and, we'll, and I'll start with my take. You can start, start your take on, on, on Mac. But I really think that Mac has executed this game plan. Now, he hasn't thrown for the big yards. 
He's been exposed his size. But I thought that he's played very, very well and has done everything the coaching staff has asked him to do. That's the type of guy Leftwich is, though. So now if the coaching staff opens up more and lets him throw down the field and lets him look at his progressions and let the wide receivers, the speed, the speed guys, Jaquan White proved last week that he can scoot around a little bit. Warren Reddick's as well. Atre Golden. Mm-hmm. Where is all these variables – out of all the ones I just mentioned, where's that best option do you think that can make this offense potent in another area besides just turning around and handing it to nine? Well, here, here's the thing. It's not even just about opening up the playbook. you you got to try different things now. You can't continue to be stubborn and go left, which is my quarterback, or whoever's my quarterback, whoever's my running back. This guy's, you got to start moving some pieces around. Look, as far as left, which goes, I think the guy's done a very job. I think the guy has done a very good job. He's managed the offense. He's done what they've asked of him. That's all you can ask for. He hasn't made many mistakes. But I will say this. He's too small to play this position at the Division I level, period, period. Unless you're going to sit there and hand the ball off 40 times a game, which I don't think we're going to be able to do anymore. He cannot – he's not going to be a a, a great, you know, productive quarterback as a pocket passer, I don't believe. Now, I'm not saying pull him. This, this New Mexico State game is the perfect chance for him to prove me wrong, to show that he's got what it takes, and for them to open up the playbook, give him some options out on the outside, let him make some plays with his feet, whatever it might be. You know? But at the same time, I think this is also the time to give Garrett Simpson a chance. Because, look, you might have seen whatever you saw from him in spring and summer and fall ball and whatnot, whatever, but – you don't know really what the kid has until you put him out there in game action. And I was extremely disappointed to see Ryan Metz out there and not Garrett Simpson. And it's nothing against Ryan Metz because actually he looked better than Leftwich in my opinion. But it's not about that. You have to give the guy that's been there, that's, that's shed his blood, sweat, and tears for the last three years in their program and has improved and has the arm and, and has the body and has eyes. You have to give him a chance, bro. You cannot continue to sit him Preach. on the bench. Preach. And that, that, for me, is the biggest thing. Again, it's not even so much about Leftwich. I think he's too small. Maybe I'm wrong. But either way, Garrett Simpson deserves a chance to be the quarterback of this team. I think that's the biggest thing. You open up the playbook. You change it up personnel-wise. You give other guys a shot. You let Kavika. Maybe you do let Kavika go at halfback. Maybe he can make some plays. You leave Kavika and – and uh, and uh, Leftwich back there or Simpson. You know, I'm talking about these two guys in the backfield. You know, that, that could really be something that we never expected. And But, again, you got to open it up play-wise, personnel-wise, got to change it up, or else we're looking at another 2-10 and ten season. Flat out. we got a caller on the line. Let's, let's I don't, get, I don't let's, think that's Sam, though. Let me just – Let's get, a, let's get some, some takes from this. Who are we talking to? Uh, you're, talk, you're talking to Chris in, in, in Long Beach. Oh, it's my boy Chris out there in Long Beach, man. Hey, what's going on, Anthony? How are you, man? Hey, um, go ahead, man. man. Tell us what you think. Well, you know, it's it's finally raining out here in Southern California, and and for good reason. It's probably tears tears from El Paso, man. And I yeah, I I feel it, man. Man, that was that was some tough news to wake up to this morning. Um, Do you guys still? I mean. What, what's what's the solution? I, I want to know because, I mean, these are two w- winnable games against New Mexico State and, and Incarnate World. I mean, you know, we could suit up and probably be Incarnate World, so that that's an automatic win. 
But, you know, we got we got to take care of business on the road in Las Cruces this weekend. But I still think, you know, the, the first couple games of conference, uh, UTSA, they haven't looked all that good. Kansas State just went to their place, blew them out. Um, the two Florida teams, they've looked okay so far, but nothing too impressive. So, um, I mean, what what's the solution? Are we going to rely on, on, on Hughes, the redshirt freshman, the Lufasa brothers? Uh, are we expecting L.A. Dow to pick up the slack at running back, or are we just going to completely flip the playbook? I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to continue on in the same manner that they're doing right now, uh, trying to run the ball 30, 40 times a game. And I think they are going to hand it off to Dow and, and Hughes and, and the LaFosse brothers. They're going to split it up. You know, there's not going to be one guy that's going to start getting all these carries unless there's a guy that stands out. It's going to be running back by committee. But I think what needs to be done is a complete revamp of the offense. You know, I think they really, really – and I've, I've said it before. And, and when you have Aaron Jones, it's hard to complain. If the guy's rushing for 150 yards a game or 130, whatever it is, and it's successful, you can't really complain. That's why he's at all last year. But now he's out, and, and you don't have another option. We're looking at the same – we're looking at the repeat of year one for Kugler, and that's why I think it's just got to be completely changed up. you got to change personnel, like I was mentioning right before we brought you on, is, is you got to – you got to give Garrett Simpson a chance. Maybe he's not the answer, but you at least have to give him a chance. I think, you know, we said maybe put Kavika at halfback at running back and see what he can do. I think there's just different things. You've got to really throw some wrinkles in there. You've got to change it up, and you've got to be willing to make changes. You can't you can't continue to be stubborn like we've seen from Kugler for, for the first two years and the beginning of this year because if he is and he wants to just continue on, on the same path, it's going to be a really long season. And I think you got to get the athletes involved on the outside. I mean, that's been kind of the knock on UTEP is that they have all of them recruited athletes. You know, there is some athletes out there. I mentioned Jaquan White. A guy like Warren Reddick is really nice to me. Atre Golden on the outside. Tyler Batson is another guy that's kind of hasn't really been able to, to unleash his talents. Those type of guys, I'm not saying go spread, but I'm saying go spread, if you know what I mean. You know, continue to have your – your power runs, your unbalanced lines, because those are effective. But don't do it on a first and ten first tribal game where the defense can stack the fuck out of the box and just tee off and base and just crash gaps. That's simple. That's not on the offensive line. That's just a knock on the coaches that not using what they have. And there is speed on the offense. I said, I didn't see this vanilla offense in, in the fall. I saw a lot more different speeds, different wide receivers, different change of paces, guys. And that's what you got to do. Stay with what you want to do. Google wants to control that line of scrimmage, but at the same time, use the speed that you brought in and that has shown in camp that, hey, they can scoot a little bit, get them in space, whether it's a screen, whether it's a jailbreak, whether it's a slant across the middle, something simple to just get the ball in your in your big-time playmaker's hands. And I think that's my solution is just let's get guys out the box with our speed, guys. And, and UTEP isn't – nobody knows that UTEP has speed on the outside right now. Unleash that. Yeah. Everybody I, just thinks we're a power man, I think I, – I, and, and, Chris, I want to hear what you have to think about this, what you have to say about this. But I think that's something – that could have potentially kept Aaron Jones healthy. Exactly. You know, because you, you just you didn't look. Aaron Jones is going to make plays no matter what. The guy's a, a super athlete, a star, so he's going to break that 91 yard run. He's going to go for 150 to 20 yards against a weak defense like Tech. But you really don't give him a chance to be successful in the long term when that's all you do is hand him off the ball. But when you start spreading it now and guys on the outside make plays, you keep the defense off balance. You keep them in check, and you allow Aaron Jones, you allow the, the running lanes to open up. And I think that could have really helped him and kept him healthy if had they been doing that against Tech. No, because then yeah. Tech couldn't just crash gaps. Tech couldn't just stack the box. And I think we may be t- we might not be having this podcast right now. I don't know. But what do you think, Chris? 
No, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, the comparison that comes to mind when you're talking about college football running back kind of being overused, I'm not saying that Cougars overused Aaron Jones, but like you said, you you, you got to take advantage of your athletes. I mean, Atre Golden is, is one of the best athletes in college football. I mean, he, he's approaching the, the kickoff return record, and, I mean, we haven't used him for shit on offense in the, yeah. in the first yep. two games, man, at, at all. So that I'd like to see him get more involved because, I, I don't know, remember when he – switched from running back to wide out uh, against Old Dominion last year, and he just went off. You know, he had a, I think he had a touchdown on a on a wide receiver end around, and he had a touchdown reception as well. I mean, that's when we got to see what, what Autre Golden could do at that receiver spot. But when talking about Aaron Jones, you look at a guy like Todd Gurley last year. Look how much Georgia used that guy, and he ends up tearing his ACL. I mean, it's bound, it, it's bound, it's bound to happen if you continue to just pound the rock with Aaron Jones. So, I mean, it sucks that it happened this year. I mean, Hopefully we get him for two more years. Hopefully he's not just the guy that is going to, you know, kick ass next year and then go to the NFL. Uh, hopefully we get him for two more years after this year. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you got to use the guys on the outside. You know, like you said, uh, Tyler Batson, we haven't seen much of him. Uh, Warren Reddix, I know he was big in El Paso. I think he played high school ball out there. Uh, I want to see more of him on the outside too. And then I want to I see the tight ends utilized. I mean, Hayden Plinky, he's looked so good so far. I want to see them get the tight ends more involved, something that Cougar wants. But, so, but, but as far as that quarterback spot, I love the the job that Mack has done so far, but I think a lot of what he's done, he's relied on Aaron Jones. So I want to see what Leftwich does without Jones, because if not, then I think we're going to be forced to pass more. I don't think Leftwich is our best passing option at quarterback. I think you have to, like you said, maybe give Garrett Simpson a shot at quarterback. Yeah, man. Couldn't agree more. Great takes. Chris, we always appreciate you calling in, man. Appreciate appreciate you chiming in. Continue to, to check in with the rush and call us whenever you want, man, all right? Hey, BNMSU, that's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's it, man. That's it. Good talking to you, bro. I, it's, it, we're watching right, this man. right now. We're watching some baseball, and Look, they're shifting Brian McCann. I don't understand why they do that. Well, well, everybody do that, but it's, it's like the same conversation we're having here where it's like, you, you, you know, yes, yes. It's, it's almost like right in front of us. It's like, <laughs> If you're gonna leave, if you're gonna leave the whole mess out of the field open, I'm gonna lay a bullet. Just bun it. You don't even have to be fast. The guy, the third baseman, is playing shortstop essentially, so there's no way he's getting down there to get you in time. I mean, I, I don't it's the same thing and when people, you're playing a, a team like Sam Houston State, which came in and really just picked apart Texas Tech secondary because they're a spread team, they're not a run team. Why? I mean, that's what. Piss me off the yeah, most. We're seeing that unbalanced line on first down. You got to know your opponent. You got to know your personnel. And it's just, it, it's so frustrating to where I just want to end it and talk about New Mexico State. <laughs> like, uh, we got hey, another caller on the line, actually. That's, that's, oh, that's, that's a 915. That's not there. Who are we talking to? Hey, what's up? This is Sick with it. What's up, Sipwood? Oh, you want to talk baseball up, and Bunty? We're talking about Bunty on the shift, or do you want to talk to Aaron Jones, man? <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones, man, I'm I'm really, really sad and upset. And I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I actually just came on, so I, I haven't been really listening to what you guys were saying. But, um, I, I mean, uh, earlier um, you guys were talking about um, on the website that, I mean, you're overusing them, um, you know, I just feel like there's, I mean, what do we go to next, you know? I think Sean Kugler, he relied a little bit too much on him. I think he relied too much on him. And now I do like Taylor Hughes, and I know they got a bunch of different uh, running backs and options, but I think even Matt Leftwich is going to suffer for it. The whole the whole offense is going to suffer. And 
I don't want to lose to New Mexico State. That's one thing I don't want to lose. <laughs> for sure. Oh, man, no doubt about it. And, and uh, I mean, you haven't missed the sun. I mean, pretty much, we've, I, I'm sure we've probably repeated ourselves ten times at least because there's only so much you can say about it, man. There's no question that the guy was overused. You know, we pointed out the fact that he was on pace for, for probably 50, maybe even more touch in the game if you continue to use him at that same rate, which is just completely unheard of to, to use a guy that much. And, again, you're just asking for, for – you're just asking for something like to happen. And and now that it's happened, you know, it, it sucks. I'm sure that Kugler feels terrible about it. I'm sure that Kugler is, you know, I, I, I thought about trying to reach out and maybe talk to the coaches for the podcast. But, uh, you know, as Alex put it, they're probably just, you know, even more devastated than we are, man. I mean, that's their star. And, and not only that, they put so much faith in this guy, which might be so, but they put so much into him. They invest so much into him. And and I'm sure they kind of feel like they made this happen. Whether you want to put blame on them or not, I mean, you know, that's that's a tough situation to be in for that coaching staff. But again, first of all, as a as a football team, it's a team. It's a team sport. It's not a it's not one person. And I know that's kind of cliche, but you can't right. put all your eggs in one basket. You don't see that on any level. You know, you look at any other college team. You look at any other uh, pro team, whatever it might be. Even if you have your stars, you're going to get them the ball, especially when 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 it needs to be going to them. But you got to spread it around. you got to give them a chance. And now they're put in a position where they're really going to have to rework some things, change things up personnel-wise, strategy-wise, game planning, play calling. I mean, I think everything's out the window as far as what you thought coming into the season. And, and you really got to try to change things up or else or else you're looking at a very, very long season. Absolutely. Are they saying anything that you guys know? I mean, as far as – I know you said you didn't want to talk to coaching staff, but, I mean, what, what's the buzz right now as far as where do we go to next? I know, I mean, like I said, it's up in the air. We just found out today. But uh, what do you think they go to next? Are they going to, you know, are they going to try to step up the passing game? Are we going to try to set up some screens, some little dump-offs? I mean, New Mexico State isn't the strongest team, but, I mean, it is a rivalry. Everybody brings out their best. So what, in your opinion, or what do you guys think you guys know of what 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 do you guys think is going to happen next? I mean, Kugler said it on Monday, and it's a good thing that he, he you know took accountability not for the injury because, like you said, we didn't know on Monday the last time I was able to talk to Kugler, but he acknowledged that the game plans in these first two games were just vanilla. You know, they're going to have to open up. They're going to have to put more speed on the field. Whether it's well, I think you're going to see way more three, maybe even four wide receiver sets because those are stuff that I, that I saw in camp that they were working on with Aaron Jones on his pitch count. So those are little things that you're going to see. I think you're going to see more Seth Lang involved in the passing game. Obviously, uh, Hayden Plink, I think those are a couple of guys you're going to see. But I think more it's going to be more about speed on the offense, more than just pounding it, time of possession. may go down a little bit because of it. But I think really that's what you're going to see. You're going to see Mac Leftwich kind of hand, get the keys handed to him in a sense. And you really have to do that if you're Cougar at this point because what else do you have, you know, other than a, a really good offensive line and a couple of capable backs that you're not sure what you're going to get out of them. What I saw in camp was a, you know, a capable receiving crew with a guy like Athletic that has time and, and was in this progression and in his, his realm of, of being able to move the ball. That's what's got to happen. I think that's what we're going to see. I think you'll see a lot more spread against a team like New Mexico State that's been burned a little bit with the pass a little bit. So I think this offense just has to open up and got to let your speed guys on the outside. We've talked about it with our last caller, Batson, uh, Warren Reddick, Jaquan White, Golden. Those are guys that now all of a sudden become part of the game plan when they were just kind of two or three touches, four or five touches maybe, and blockers. 
these guys are going to have to have the ball in their hands. And I think that's really what is going to happen. And I really think they're going to have to go through that. If they want to win these next couple of games, because not only that, look at what comes up after conflict. you got to be able – you see Coach Cougar talk about they're going to have to change their identity. I think that's what we're going to see, man. So, you know, Greg, stick with it. Always love talking to you, bro. We got to run, man. Really appreciate you calling in, man. We'll catch you on the threads. We'll see you around, man. Good comments, bro. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you. Man, we might see a whole different Utah team coming up this Saturday, and that segues us in to our next guest from BleedCrimson.net. Sam Watson joins us to talk about the Aggies as we are on a hot, hot Tuesday podcast here at The Rush. What's going on, Sam? How's it going? Well, uh, you, bench, you, you would think that it, you would think <laughs> it was storming and, and hell had froze over in El Paso today. <laughs> We're good, man. How about you feel? Not too bad. It's uh, going to be an interesting game. Oh, no doubt about it, man. So you know, we've kind of it's kind of the same thing with UTEP. I think with Mexico State, where we haven't really gauged too much on. on how this team is going to be because New Mexico State opened up with a power team. UTEP's opened up with two power teams. So through two games so far this year, I mean, what's what's going down in Aggieland? What's your, kind of your assessment overall of the team and kind of the growth from last year's losing streak to coming into this year with new hopes and you know, having a guy like Larry Rose leading your team? Well, Larry Rose has been um, – he's continued pretty much where he left off last year. Um, he's been – Every bit as good as you know. I think we that everybody hoped that he would be. Uh, didn't have a big impact in the game against Georgia State on Saturday, which was actually a, a kind of a surprise. Um, Georgia State in their first game, they gave up a, a little over 200 yards rushing to Charlotte, and I think you know I, I know myself. And speaking with uh, Jason Grove, the uh, sports editor over at the Las Cruces Sundays, we were both, you know, really surprised that uh, you know that he didn't have a monster game against Georgia State. Talk about the quarterback Tyler Rogers. He's the guy that I, I really I got a chance to watch bits and pieces of the Florida game, and he's really really progressing this offense with guys like Teldrick Morgan. Um, Tyron Taylor, I think he might be a transfer that you guys added, the five nine hundred sixty two pound receiver. Is it Tyler Rogers growing as a quarterback, or is it the weapons that he has at his disposal now that have just kind of turned this offense into, you know, kind of what we've been used to under New Mexico State the past couple years, a team that could put up some yards? Uh, there, there's been a uh, a significant amount of growth, at least, you know, in my view from Tyler Rogers the first two games. You know, last year Tyler Rogers was a guy that showed a lot of flashes of, of you know, being a very good quarterback, but, you know, his his inability to take care of the football, especially, you know, on his own end of the field, you know, inside of the 20 on his side of the field and, and in the red zone was just a killer for the Aggies. I mean, there, there were numerous times that the Aggies would drive down and, and be in a position to, to put up points on the board and he would force a throw or make a careless decision um, and just turn the ball over, and we haven't really seen that too much uh, the first couple games of the year, which is very, very uh, encouraging. Because if he can't, you know, if he can't make good decisions, it's you know, it's going to be a long season for the Aggies. 
Talk about the defensive side of the ball. I've really, really been impressed with you guys, freshman linebacker Terrell Hanks, mixed in with a, a seasoned guy that minor fans probably know real well, Rodney Butler. But where where do you see this defense having to turn it around to set against UTEP's running game and the possibility of UTEP opening up the pass now without Aaron Jones? Where do you have to see out of those two guys? What spots in the defense really have to step up this Saturday for the Aggies? Well, well, definitely the secondary. The secondary has to step up. They've been, you know, they've been really, really kind of lit up the first two games, and that's it's been a little bit of a surprise. Um, I think the the the, the pass defense has has regressed a little bit from last year. Um, I think we all knew that the run defense wasn't, you know, it hasn't been good um, by any stretch of the imagination. The last two seasons, it's been a little bit better this year, but the pass defense seems to have taken a couple of steps back. Um, that's a little bit of concern for me uh, going into this game against UTEP. I know that UTEP hasn't had a ton of success or, or hasn't really tried to throw the ball a lot, but I think now with Aaron Jones out of this game, out for the season for UTEP, they're, they're going to really, I think, you know, explore the passing game a little bit more and, and against an Aggie defense that has shown itself to be pretty vulnerable against the past. No doubt about it. And, and Sean Cougar talked about it uh, on Monday during his presser that, you know, the way that, that Doug Martin has been able to the program is sort of the way that Sean Cougar's built this program. What are you seeing on the recruiting side of New Mexico State that, that makes you feel that Doug Martin not only is helping the team kind of better now and, and compete in the Sun Belt, but showing that you know, in the next couple of years that things could really turn around and we could see some things on the Mexico State we're not used to. Is, is, what do you see in recruiting that maybe can, can kind of change that? Well, I, th- I think that they've been at, they've been able to go out and find some some nice, you know, players out of high school that, you know, haven't been necessarily recruited by a ton of schools. They've maybe been passed over a little bit, but but really his philosophy has been to build from the high school ranks, you know, to, to bring in four-year players um, to kind of avoid as much as possible going the junior college quick, quick fix route. Um, and it has, you know, it's paid off a little bit. You see a guy like Larry Rose um, who didn't, you know, didn't get recruited very much out of high school. Not, uh, kind of surprising. He had 49 touchdowns as a, a you know, his senior year in high school. I, I don't know how that doesn't want at least some sort of a look from other schools. Um, you know, you, you see guys like um, recruited heavy area too, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I mean he's a, a Texas high school football player, and you you would figure that any you know any any kind of you know production like that would get at least some looks from even the middle tier Texas you know uh, football schools. You know, um, he he's a guy. Um, they've got a, a bunch of really good uh, kids that they brought in last year on the defensive side, especially on the linebacking crew that, uh, you know, that played a lot as freshmen who are, you know, they're going to have an impact not only this year, but especially once they become upperclassmen. Uh, and, and so that, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, being able to bring in guys like that, and you mentioned a guy like Hanks, um, being able to bring in those kind of guys, having them get the kind of experience that they got, you know, that they're getting as freshmen and sophomores, um is only going to help them, you know, next year and their senior years and, and, and on into the future because they're, you know, they're building a foundation 
um, for this program, and and uh, you know it's that's not always been the case in the, in the past with uh, previous coaches who have you know been under under I think a little bit more pressure to provide a quick fix. Um, I think there was a you know there was a little bit of an understanding from the previous uh, athletic director, Dr. Boston. You know when Coach Martin was was hired to take over that. You know, he wanted to build the high school route. Um, you know, the the quick fix hadn't worked under the previous two coaches, and that they were, you know, they were going to commit to giving him a little bit more time to build from, you know, kind of build from the bottom up. I don't know that about it. And a guy like Terrell Hanks is a guy that just really stood out on me watching film on the Aggie after week one. So you can tell that Martin is changing it a little bit here. Sam Watson from BleedCrimson.net joins us. Check out all his stuff on BleedCrimson.net for all your Aggie fix. So what we do every week, Sam, been on the show before to wrap things up. Official prediction, the battle of I-10, who you got, score, winner, any other stat you want to throw at us? Well, I uh, – <laughs> I think the big stat for Aggie fans is uh, six in a row, six losses in a row to the minors. It's, uh, you know, something that I'm sure aggravates the heck out of every uh, Aggie fan and, and delights the heck out of every UCAP fan. Um, I, I think, you know, going into this week, uh, going into the game before the beginning of the season, I, I felt that this was going to be a tough game for the Aggies to win just because, I think that UTEP as a program is just a little bit further ahead than where New Mexico State is. Um, I think that the defensive issues that the Aggies have are still, you know, their biggest weakness. I, I think the offense can put up some some points against the minors. I don't know that this is going to be a particularly high-scoring game. Um, I would expect something probably in the mid-20s. Um, and unfortunately, just I still think that UTEP is a little bit further ahead uh, of of the Aggies right now, and um, I'm actually going to go out and uh, on a limb here and say that UTEP wins this one, probably a score somewhere around 28 to 24. Well, for uh, for our sake, I hope you're right, man. Just it's been a rough week. We need a win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that you all need a win, too, but, you know, with us losing Aaron Jones, man, the, the, the last thing we need is a loss this week, especially in such a big rivalry game. But I hope you're right, man. But anyways, there you all have it. Thanks, Sam, for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you more as we near the game. And, uh, again, you all can check out Sam, uh, all his work over at BleakCrimson.net. Thanks again, man. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'll do well, it. now that – Alex asked all the easy questions. I was trying to get in there, but this guy wasn't me. He's, my bad, my bad. I, I'm, I'm a constant Aggie fan. Man. Hey, I'm just <laughs> happy that he chose UTEP to win, bro, because, you know, if we lose this weekend, like, that's not even oh, – You know what's crazy? We got to get into it, though. We got to get into it, though. Before Jones went out, like, there wasn't even a question. It yeah. was like, once it's NMSU, we got two wins. We got yeah. NMSU and Incarnate Word, you know, and, and now it's like – we don't even know what to expect going I, into I this game. I have no you idea. Know, I, I'm not – I mean, I still think that we should win the game, but I'm not so confident anymore. And and so at least at least somebody is around here. And, 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 and I think your confidence is, is – or your lack of confidence is because of the defense. I mean, we've just th- – that right there, I mean, as much as, yes, the offense has been one-dimensional, we've touched on the offense. Let's talk about the defensive side of why I'm so worried about this game is because of the defensive side. I mean, New Mexico State – like I mentioned to Sam, they're starting to become 
that explosive offense that they had under Mummy and yeah, all those yeah. other coaches because they have some athletes on the outside now. Tyron Taylor, the JUCO transfer, you got his stats right there. 18.8 per catch. And, and, I mean, this guy. And I mean, just him, they got four receivers, five receivers, six receivers, really, that are averaging 10 yards a catch or and, more. And that's explosive. And like I mentioned, their quarterback is just getting a lot better. Now, I think that we, we have a – when you compare – uh, when you compare strengths versus weaknesses, when you look at our defense, I think our front six may be able to create some more pass protection, which could help out that secondary. I think we may have a little bit more gap control. I think a guy like Roy Robertson Harris could have a big time game because he played well yeah. last week. Roy did have a couple of big disruptive plays in there. He was working, but I think that's really the only advantage defensive because if we're not if we're not getting pass protection. Oh, my God. I don't even want to get into it, but New Mexico State could – this is crazy for me to say this, and everybody probably is going to rip me on, on the thread, but if we're not able to get pressure and, and Rodgers is able to just sit back there and feed guys Morgan and Tyler, and, and the bigger concern for me is the screen game with Larry Rose, we could be in for a long-ass afternoon where we're playing catch-up down two or three scores. This is almost eerily similar to a situation where Texas Tech, where if we get down two or three scores, if we're not – passing the ball and we're not moving the ball through the air and showing we can pick up those chunks, we're in trouble. And and like Sam said, yes, Utah may be a far a little bit farther ahead than New Mexico State, but this is this is hard to go over a devastating loss like Aaron Jones. And will that defense respond? Because the defense has just been horrible. We're, we're right now last in the nation giving them nine point two yards to play. I mean pretty sure in every other statistical category. Yeah, and we're actually I was actually looking it up. Uh, I mean, you got to create some type of turnover, some because you're going into a hostile environment. As weak as what's proud so as they are, frustrating, man. What's so frustrating is that this is Kugler's third year, bro. And the offensive play calling is one thing, but defense should be a something an area that we that we that we should be better than we are. Yeah. Last year, respectable. Seemed, last year it seemed like we took a step forward. Huge step forward. You know, we were a type of defense that you know we we were going to give up a big play every now and then, but for the most part, we were a bend don't break defense. You know, we we got teams were going to get yardage against us, but for the most part, when we needed to step up, we were going to step up and make that stop. In a big way, get off the field on third down, and honestly, we have not seen that once. Not this an ounce year. of it. Not even once, and that's just like we've had two pass breakups in the past two games, two, two pass breakups. That's got to change. And it starts with that front six. I really doesn't. And, and I asked Cougar about this because I, I don't know. I, I guess I've always, ever since I played from little league, I've just always been a student of football. So when you see me kind of break down things, I hope I don't lose people in my writings when I talk about stuff, but I, I wanted to know what is it? What, what is it going to take for that front six to mesh with that, with our secondary in this four to five, because I think that's important. Cougar, it was kind of surprising to me, but he said getting guys back like Ish Harrison and Tron Robertson for a communication part. So it's not so much scheme. It's not so much we're not filling our gaps or we're not technique right. There's communication. And, and now that he's saying that, when I go back and look, that, yeah, there is a lot of, of what we saw in year one where the team is you know, playing these NASCAR offenses and they're ready to go, but our guys are still looking at the sideline like, what the fuck am I doing? Where's my assignment? You know, that to me, that could be a big thing to have a guy like Ish Harrison, who Broomkus El Paso Times wrote today, that he's back at practice. So that's a big thing. But the biggest thing that Kruger pointed out, my biggest question, how do you get that pass rush? It's, it's communicating. That's what he's saying. So that's something to watch. And I know I've re- reading some message boards, re- reading, uh, you know, some comments on minor rush, some guys that may be a little further along with my football knowledge. Communication they bring up, Cougar hit on it. And that's really going to be big, especially against another air raid team like 
and my concern when I asked about Coogler is that screen because Texas Tech exposed the shit out of us with those speed guys. Especially when we especially when we we're trying to bring and, it. Yeah, and, and that's what's gonna happen. Guys, you know, and I mean and that's what's gonna happen for UTEP. So my question was how how do you how are you able to to stop that? And his response was, Well, we gotta make plays on the downs where we're not blitzing. Way we can keep balance, and that's really going to be the key. When we call a blitz, I mean, you got you you to get, you gotta get creative we gotta with have your blitz, man. That you got to get creative too. with your blitz because you can't just bring six, seven guys on, on an all-out blitz. We saw it once or twice against Tech. They dropped off the screen, and they were gone. You know, and you can't do that. You got to get creative with your blitz, your stunts, up, you know, and just – it's 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 effort, it's communication. You just you just gotta get there. You just gotta want it more than the other guy. Because honestly, in football, man, that's what it comes down to. Who wants it more? You, it's when when you're when you're playing a position, especially on the line, for the most part. Now, there's times where you're gonna get chipped and whatnot by second. For the most part, it's one on one on the line. You know, you're going up against the guy that's lined up across from you. So it's who wants it more. Does that guy want to protect his quarterback more or his or open up the hole more for his runner? Or do you want to go and make the play more? And that's what it comes down to. You just you just gotta want it. You gotta go out there and get it done. There's no excuses. I mean, you can sit here and talk about X's and O's and what you can do differently and this and that, but when it comes down to it, you gotta have guys that are just going to make those plays, man. I agree. And the, and the biggest question we've talked about well, what does UTEP go next on the offensive side? Well, with the defense of the lack of defense that we have. The you know we know obviously it's ball control ball control that could be your best defense but at the end of the day we had 40 minutes to Texas Tech's 19 that's crazy and we still let up 69 points, points bro. It, 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 yeah so I mean w- what do you do at that point or, or do we go back to the Mike Price days where we're trying to just outscore teams okay. and, 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 I had to throw it in there I had to throw it in there just to throw people up. but I mean at the same time that's that's what we're dealing with when you talk about a game like New Mexico State where Sam is kind of giving the UTEP defense a little respect, saying that this game could be in the 20s. I don't see that. Man, you gotta, I really don't. The bottom, line, the bottom line is to be successful in college football and football in general, you have to be balanced, man. You have to be balanced in some way. I'm sorry. It's like I was telling you before the show. How many, how many teams out there do you see that, are, are, you know, that run the ball 80% of the time? that are successful on a regular basis. Who? I, I can't name a single Not even team. Alabama. You look at triple option teams, an... Army, Air Force, Navy, those teams. You know, but even Alabama is fairly balanced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. For us, Leftwich throws for, throws for 140 yards, and we're like, man, he had a good game. Career high. It's, it's like, <laughs> come on, man. That can't be the case. You know, I understand. You don't, you know. We're not going to be an aired-out team under under Coop. We're not. You know, you're not going to have quarterbacks throw for three or 400 yards. But they should throw for 200. They should have a game where they throw for 300. Couple touchdowns, you know? the tight ends, exactly. four or five catches a game. That's how you are successful at this level, man, with balance. You can't you can't be so stubborn and just think, oh, I'm just going to build this this offensive line that nobody will be able to touch, and we're going to be able to open up holes for for anybody to run through, and we're going to run for 300 yards a game. It's not realistic, and it's, it's just not going to happen. You'll do that against NMSU. You'll do that against the Cardinal Word, but there's some respectable defense in the Conference USA. So just a lot of things to look at in this Aggie game. I mean, it's, and then also you throw in the fact of it's a rivalry. You hope that ocean can kind of help overcome, you know, the, the loss and get guys fired up to play football again in a play and Those are the type of things I want to look for. This team that Kula talked about, they gotta, you got to come back mentally. Oh, 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 the big thing with this team, they've been beaten, yes, physically, they've been burnt, but mentally, 
I mean, I saw a team with really bad body language. I saw Hayden Plink walk out of, of an interview room. I've never seen a UTEP player ever display that type of frustration. I've seen them pissed, but, you know, where he just, you know, of course, I didn't ask bro, question, but it was the same bullshit it, questions. When but it comes down to it, mental. these guys are athletes, bro. They're competitors. Yeah. You know, nobody out there on that on that field, Division One athlete wants to lose, wants to go out like that, and wants to go out because every one of those guys for the ball, I'm not going to say everyone, but they're mostly alpha males, bro. Yeah, they're oh, they're, yeah. they're oh, yeah. guys that think that they can get it done oh. on their own. Give me the ball and I'll do it. And some of them can, some of them can't, whatever, but – that's that's where that frustration and that disconnect comes from because they feel like they're not being trusted. They're not being given a fair shake, the yep. opportunity to make plays to win ball games. And and look, Texas Tech and in, in Arkansas, whatever, man. Chances are going in we were gonna start 0 2. The odds were we were gonna start 0 2. But you didn't even give them an opportunity to start one and one or two and oh. Toledo went into Arkansas and beat them. Tell me that Toledo is that much better than, of a program than UTEP is. Now, I know historically, you know, in, in, in recent history, they've had more success. But this isn't some power program that went in there to SEC country and knocked off Arkansas. It was the Toledo Rockets. UTEP can get to that level so we can pick up those wins. It's been since 1967 since we won a game against a power conference team, bro. Come on, man. And what is it going to take to get us there? I don't understand why – I, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here, but you it's know, a tangent though. I'm, I'm, just, I'm we, insane. We, we get these coaches, and I loved Mike Price, man. I really did. I was a huge Price fan, and I think he's been the best coach that we've had here in years, bro, since Bob Stahl. But regardless of that, you get these coaches that get they're, they're too one-dimensional. Price, his issue was he wasn't he was too comfortable with his players. He was a real players coach, real easy-go-lucky guy, just like, yeah, we're all going to have a good time, and we're going to do great. And, and you can win like that at Washington State when you've got good athletes. Yeah. I'm not saying we don't have good athletes, but when you've got those top-tier athletes that don't need to be pushed and don't need that discipline, when you've got those guys that are going to go out there and perform regardless, you can you can win games like that. And and that was kind of Price's issue, and he, and he didn't know how to adjust to get that. But because if he had discipline from his players, if he was disciplined with his players, bro, he would still be here right now, and we wouldn't be having this conversation but it's it's a complete opposite with Coogler. It's like he's got all the discipline, but yet he doesn't know how to call plays. He doesn't know how to use his players correctly, how to utilize the talent that he has. And, you know, I don't understand what it takes to, to get somebody that knows how to have a, a just a balance, you know? I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Maybe we see that this week. I mean, this is – and the whole thing about it, like we opened up, this is not – we're not going to sit here and say, this season is done because I really think with the way this comes out, if they can find a niche, if they can find that balance in these next couple of games, you know, watch out UTSA, watch out some of these teams because I really feel every game, regardless with or without Aaron Jones, every game should be winnable if these next two games we see some progression from the defense. I mean, we're not playing guys that you're going to see on days a guy like Jakeem Grant, maybe even Patrick Mahomes, Alex Collins, all the all of Arkansas's yeah. offensive line. Hell, two of, of, of uh, Texas Tech's offensive linemen. So now the playing field's even. We've gotten our ass beat. Like you said, the odds were against us. These next two games are just so huge, and, and it shouldn't even be in this situation. Really shouldn't even be talking about a New Mexico State game on the road being a big program changer. But it is. Because you lose this game, you're at the bottom of the barrel of college football. You're the laughing stock of everybody. Our Twitter feed is going to explode with people just talking shit, and I don't want to deal with that shit.
<laughs> so it, right, it's got to right, change. All right, all right real quick, ahead, just end ahead, up in the Mexico ahead. State talk. Give me two keys and a prediction. Two keys to your against the Mexico State. Two keys? I got one. I only have one. When? I, ha- I just no. It's not even win. It's just change it up, man. Throw your playbook out the window and just let these guys go out there and have fun. Play football, not this freaking, you know, just run the football down your throat football. I'm talking about real 20th century, 21st century football. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about – I feel like we're, like we play how they played 50, 60 years ago, man. You know, it's like what, what kind of football is that? So let these, go, let these guys go out these there. Athletes, athletes. Let, exactly. <laughs> let these, that's my key right there, bro. That's my key. Let these, let athletes, these athletes, athletes, athletes. And then we'll talk, bro. That's my key. My prediction, man, I don't even know what to expect. I hope that we still got enough talent. We still got enough. I don't even know what to say, but just enough from the coaches to get a win in this game. Because if we lose, man, God help us all. I agree. God help us all. I mean, that, that's kind of one of my key letter athletes. athletes. The second key is get some damn pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. Let's get some sacks. Let's get some TFLs. Let's get a turnover. That's got to happen. We got to play behind the line of scrimmage that we were last year. Got to be able to turn them over. Those are the two keys. If we're not getting the pressure and we're not turning them over, we don't win that game. I, I don't care what our offense is doing. Our offense is that good against a defense like ours. So I, I think it's going to be in the 40s, 30s. Give me UTEP by a late touchdown or stopping a touchdown. But confidence got to get breathed. But we got before we jump into our CUSA breakdown of our power rankings, we're kind of running short on time. But we got a caller on the line. What's going on, man? Who's this? This is Greg from the West Side. How you guys doing? Oh, Zelka Miner himself. What's going down, bro? I'm doing fine. Hey, you guys are doing a great job, man. Keep it up. Just you guys, you guys are uh, taking the forefront here of um, keeping us informed. You know what? Aaron Jones is a classy, classy young man. His family is sure. uh, very, very sad situation. What happened? I mean, look, he had a a kick-ass game on Saturday. That's the way I can put it. And you know, just unfortunately, uh, I guess a lot of people are saying he was put, you know, left in the game too long, considering our our abilities. But uh, he will be back next year. Can you imagine him and his, his twin brother Alvin Juniors in the same team with yeah. our experienced team? The the offensive line is going to be better. Defensive line, the quarterbacks, whoever that may be, are going to be better. So you know, the future is good. Yeah, and you know what? I couldn't agree with you more. And that's really something that we haven't touched on much. I mean, we said it in the past. But today on this episode, we haven't really talked about how much of a class act Aaron Jones is. I mean, the kid could really have gone off, been pissed off on Twitter. You see this happen all the time where things happen in the locker room or wherever it might be, and these kids go off on Twitter and start saying stupid stuff. Aaron Jones, you don't see that, man. You see him reading people just giving him well wishes and kind of just out there just showing, again, how much of a class act he is, and that's definitely something that, that we that we should be talking about. You know, you know what? One of the things that Coach Cougars brought is, I think, respect and class. A lot of these young players all run into up around the university, whatever, out and about, and they're classy, they're mindful, they're respectful. Yes, sir, thank you, nice to meet you. Uh, and I, I think that's part of Coach Cougars, uh, you know, his his, his character. His uh, yeah. hey, you want, you want to be on this team? This is the way you need to act, and it, and it, it, it's a it's a good thing. Hey, I want to reflect first of all. I want to challenge everybody in El Paso. Yeah, we're you know, not not starting off the season so great, but guess what? Friday is Orange Friday. You know, whatever. We're all like wondering, like, man, our top players out. What are we gonna do? Oh, play the Aggies, bro. Get your damn orange out. Let's yeah. orange out El Paso people. Right. 
And guess what? Get your tickets to Las Cruces. No, nobody's going to show up because of these. Just get your ass up to Las Cruces. Period. Gas is under My wife and I are going up there. We They're giving away $10 tickets. There's, they, there's no excuse. You're right. Dude, dude, my, my, my family and I, we get a, a hotel room up there. We make an event out of it. We have half the last, you know, every other year, the last 10 years, take our pups. We have a great time. Uh, a couple of little memories, little rival, this is a rivalry game. Would you agree? Our biggest rivalry? Do you all no remember about almost about, about 10 years ago? You all remember Ebok, Ebok? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Franklin. You all remember that? When yep. we were up there, okay, a couple of things with that game. I'll oh, didn't he go nude? Didn't he go full nude? He, he he went on the field. I mean, the dude's dude's buffed, right? I mean, he he'd already finished his career. He was uh, playing Ameri- What is it? A- indoor football and doing all kinds of stuff. Dude's a stud. Went up there and stood in front of the New Mexico State football bench and taunted to them. Did his best, Lou Ferrigno, and ripped off his threads. I uh, dude, y'all remember that? Yeah, I remember that. It I was, was it was nuts. And then the cops, he had to go. Towards the north side of the Sunbolt, because the, the cops started chasing him. That was funny as hell. Now, yeah. in, in, in remembrance here, on the very first play, as I remember, remember it was uh, Mummy's air raid offense, whatever, whatever, whatever. It was a little screen pass to receiver. The late great UTEP minor, uh, what is it? Uh, to, uh, All right. Forgive me. Thomas, Thomas Howard. Thomas Howard. Thomas Howard. You all remember that? He took off. He saw that play develop. And as soon as the, the the receiver got the little lateral pass, before even I had a chance to think, okay, one, two, three, Thomas Howard laid the boom on him. Y'all remember that yep. one? Yes, sir. I, I mean, God, God bless Thomas Howard. That was another class act. Walk on, good guy, you know. Uh, so that that's a couple of, of stories of the rivalry. So, again, El Paso, part, bottom line, get off your ass, and let's go support the Miners. As I'm looking out, over the beautiful west side, I see this beautiful orange sunset. And it's saying, you, you know go. what, long, long live Minor Nation. But anyway, I just wanted to throw out a couple of things there. You guys are doing a great show. Keep it up, and uh, I will listen to you guys. Good stuff, man. Good point. Uh, it kind of brought up the energy because we're yeah, a little somber. I appreciate that. I appreciate some great that. voice, man. And then, uh, look, I wasn't going to quit supporting the Miners just because Aaron Jones yeah. I know we you about either, that. Yeah, we talked but about there's that. definitely a lot of people that are going to use this as an excuse to now stop going to games and whatnot, and that's kind of sad, man. That team is out there. That team is out there giving it their all. They're we out there. Eight thirty this morning, but we got to be out there supporting. So no doubt about it. Great comments there, and uh, and that pretty much wraps up our our UTEP segment, man. Our UTEP only segment. Um, just God help us all. If we don't win this weekend, but let's move on. That's all you say, man. That's beautiful. Let's move on. Let's talk about some uh, some Conference USA action. We had the Conference USA Power Rankings Week Three released this week, man. And I had I don't know where you. I'll start by just talking about UTEP for a second. I had UTEP down at eleven. I think I had them ten. I don't know where you had, but they're still coming in in the top ten. They're still ahead of uh, of Charlotte, ahead of FAU, even ahead of UTSA. I might have had them at 12. I don't even remember, man. The all, I mean, maybe maybe UTSA, maybe. But even UTSA hung with Arizona, man. And, and they hung and, with Kansas State. And they hung with Kansas State for a quarter, yeah. But, I mean, look it off. Top team, Marshall goes down. Western Kentucky moves up. 
into first place. No brainer. Rolled it off. 14 first place votes. One guy somehow, some way, somewhere out there voted. I want what he's smoking. 193 first, uh, 193 total points. 14 first place votes for Western Kentucky. Two and zero. Coming off a, a great win and a great game against Louisiana Tech. And they've got they've got Indiana this weekend a chance to really move ahead and and show how good of a team they really are. The way I looked at that game at first was Western Kentucky should have blew out La Tech, but that's discrediting La Tech because La Tech's a damn good football team. So that's a pretty good win, very 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 good win for the Hilltoppers. They got Indiana this week. I think I so remember when we're sitting here watching. Uh, them play Vanderbilt, yep. and we're like, oh, that offense. You, you, you're starting to see that pick up with that air raid. I think they put up a lot of points against Indiana. Indiana kind of get, they, I, they didn't put as many points as I thought they would on FIU. So I think that's well, FIU's got that defense. I yeah. think that's kind of what held that game down. But but yeah, the, but either that, way, big win for Western Kentucky. And, 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 and that Kentucky game fits right into their MO, man. They're, gonna, yeah. they're both going to want to go and score yeah. a lot so of that's, that, that was just a great win. And, Jumping into our number two team, La Tech, it seemed like I'm very, still very impressed with yep. because, I mean, Kenneth Dixon is the stud around there, but they're secondary, and their front six guys are just – I mean, their whole defense is ridiculous. They have so many weapons on that offensive side where when they come in here in, in, in late November, whatever it is, to play UTEP, we could be possibly – this is just my take. I really think La Tech can get on roll. Now, I know they got Kansas State this week. I don't know who else is on their schedule, but this is a team that looks like a top – 25 team. That's crazy. Yeah, it's Alex, you're a mother crazy motherfucker. But they just have those skills. And Skip Holtz is a hell of a coach. I'm really high on Louisiana Tech. I think they are the clear cut second. Good job on our vote. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jeff Driscoll already passed from 631 yards in those two games. Got uh, almost a 65% completion rate and a 175 QBR, man. So that's that's pretty damn good. And that's obviously, you know, leading the way for, for a guy like Kenneth Dixon. Even though he hasn't seen the, the touches, he's gonna get. He his. will get them, but he hasn't seen them just yet. But even at that, he's averaging almost nine yards a carry. So that's a scary team to look out for, especially come conference time. Marshall checks in at number three, and they had a oh, real, uh, real, real shocking loss. And they made a big adjustment to, to Ohio. I mean, I don't know if anybody saw that coming. I did. Vegas. I don't know. I don't even know if the line was on what that. Was the line in that game? I have no idea. I'm trying to remember. I know I'm pretty sure Marshall is paid, but you know the big thing with Marshall. I was reading today, scrolling on Twitter, that they're going to go to a two quarterback system. So I mean, the, their quarter, the first quarterback that I saw, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but when they played Purdue, he looked well. He missed some passes that you, you know, if you watched Marshall because a couple of years, you know, that's a need to be touched off for Rakeem Kato, but I really thought the guy was improving. So now they go with the two quarterback system. Going to be very, very interesting to watch a team like Marshall over the next couple of weeks, even though their slate probably isn't as strong as others. But, I mean, that's going to be used to see how they kind of just because their defense is very good. I mean, I think their defense is very, very manageable to, to run the table in the East still. Devin Johnson doing his thing, 21 carries, 170 yards in that game against Ohio, 41 yards a carry. But that's just what was most shocking about that is just the 10 points, man. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily just a loss. It's one thing if they would have gone out and Ohio scores 50 on them and they score 48 and they lose in a barn burner. But that's what we're used to. That's what we're Marshall. used to with Marshall. But, you know, that, that 21-10 win is kind of shocking, especially considering Ohio was in the game at Idaho. And Idaho was the bottom feeders in all of Division One or FBS. So that, was, that wasn't really expected. But they'll have a chance to bounce back this week um, as they take on Norfolk State at home. Rice comes in at number four. They're up a spot from last week at number five, and they've got North Texas this week. They open up conference play, got a chance to open up against one of the 
I don't want to say the worst team in Conference USA because we really don't know yet, but one of the bottom teams in Conference USA had a chance to, to get to 1-0 and bounce back from really what was a complete ass kick against Texas, bro. Even that score, it ended up 42-28. It was 42-14 late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they got it's two it's the crowd that really fought away. And you can and people are probably gonna agree with that because it was close at halftime, but still, Mark, that speed difference. I mean, Rice lost a lot of speed on their D with Callahan and those those corners that they had. Their linebackers, even their their two big defense uh, defensive tackles in the middle, Bington. I can't think of the other guy, but Texas really exposed them with the big play first half. And yeah, you're right. That first five to ten minutes of the third quarter got away with some turnovers. Texas had some big plays. So Rice, I think they're gonna be very, they're still going to be they're still number two in, in the west that running game is going to be dirty with Dreyfus jackson and dillard and number one i can't think of the name right now but i mean this is a team that's going to might couple of shootouts in conference usa play because like i said i feel they've lost some speed on the defensive side but their offense and that run game is going to be a key for them they look decent in that first half but like you said that speed difference from texas was just just it was pretty amazing jaw dropping almost you almost kind of give utep a little bit of credit for kind of hanging, not really hanging in, but it just looked total opposite than what, than what I saw earlier in the day from when I came home and saw Texas and Rice. No doubt about it. Uh, moving on, number four, I'm sorry, number five, Middle Tennessee, Middle State, 1-1. And that was an interesting game because I, I, if I'm going to say I checked the score in the second quarter and it was 14-3. Now, against Alabama, that to me, again, yeah. that's pretty damn respectable. So there's Definitely. something there. And now we talked, I talked about, and I pretty much stuck off Middle Tennessee last week. And I think their <laughs> that's defense. Been, that's been your dark horse, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, but that's been your, your dark horse uh, contender out there. I like uh, for Conference USA East. But um, we'll find out. And then we'll talk about Charlotte in a second. But this is the week we'll really find out what Charlotte's made it. Because they come in at 2 0. Picked up kind of a shocking win in week one, and then you know last week F- non FPS non FPS opponent, so two and zero, oh, and now I got Middle Tennessee, so we'll find out. I what think Middle Tennessee. Also Middle, middle Tennessee, the if they're as real as you think they are, and this is the time where they're going to show it, and they're going to have to come up with at least a you know fourteen twenty one point. Put up forty to fifty points. I, th- I see that happen. I think Middle and they are. Charlotte, I think Charlotte's going to get a rude awakening in the conference two next week. They are. Where favored. is that? Is that, is that in is it's, that in Murfreesboro? Yeah, it's in Murfreesboro, yeah. and they are favored by by nineteen. FIU comes in at number 607 total points. They're, they're set, they stayed right where they were last week. They lost to Indiana over the weekend. Again, we talked about Indiana a second ago. They're a team that likes to air it out, score a lot of points. So for them to only score 36 says something about the FIU defense, but FIU was only able to put up 22 points. So, you know, I, I guess the jury's still out for them. I'm not sure what to expect. I read a Q&A with, with the Indiana SB Nation where they basically expected to put up 50 points in that game, yeah. where it was kind of like a I'm given sure. to most of them. And so that's good to see FIU. Like we talked about, they have a really good defensive back. I think it's Leonard, his name. And I'll learn the defensive lineman's names to go on. But those two guys, like I've been saying, they're good guys to build around. They get gooch and, and some, some type of offense. is going to be a dangerous team in that little middle to lower tier in the East. Southern Miss coming next. Um, now they had that Mississippi State game in Week One that I ended up 34-16, but they they were in that game until the end. And and this is a team that could be scary. They put up 52. It's Austin P. So I'm not sure what to make of that. But they, this is a team that that has got some pieces, and and they're definitely much improved than they were a year ago. And for me, I mean, just seeing what they've done in the first two weeks with Nick Mullins out there at quarterback. Um, I 
I don't know that I'm ready to say that they're going to have a chance to contend, you know, but this is a team that's going to give everybody fits throughout the conference schedule. No matter who they're playing, that's not a, a – in years past, in the last two, three years, it's pretty much been if you see Southern Miss on your schedule, you chalk no. up that W. And it's not that way anymore for anybody in this league. And, so. not, and not Texas State either. That's gonna. I really think you talk about whether if, if Southern Miss is going to contend in the West, I really think that Texas State game is going to tell a lot about us. Because I really think Southern Miss is going to be a fun team to watch. But Texas State, they got some talent too. They're a middle-of-the-road type of team in the, in the Sun Belt. And that's really, I think, the biggest game on my radar is that Southern Miss-Texas State game. Especially on the road. Yeah. Um, and if, they, if they're able to put up points, like I feel this team will be able to. I think they're going to be that next kind of generation of the old USA offenses where they're just putting up points. If they can do that against Texas State or Texas State, watch out for the Golden Eagles because I think they will be back, not back to that top 25 level that they were, but back to competing in their division, and no doubt about it. Following up the uh, Southern Miss Golden Eagles, the Old Dominion Monarchs, and this is kind of surprising to me. They're up a spot for number nine last week, and they, they come in off a win over Norfolk State. Um, they've had two wins. Over, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's still 2-0, and oh, and especially after the uh, – I need yeah, Did he make the roster? I think he got cut. But either way, you know, you, you lose a guy like that, and we really expected this team to take a step back. And so far, 2-0, and oh, they're kind of just kind of up there. Um, you know, they got a chance to, to, to play NC State, prove their worth, but I'm not sure. I think this is kind of where we find out that Old Dominion, they're hey, not, they're, what is it? They no, are who we thought they were. But, but you got to watch out for sophomore running back Ray Lowry. He's got already three straight 200-game rushing for them. So while we've kind of been introduced to Old Dominion as a passing team, this is a guy, Ray Lowry, that I saw that really impressed me last year. So it's not really surprising to me to see him go off like that. But like you said, they're, you know, they're the people that they've been playing with in their first two games for him to run over 200 yards. That's going to be a big question, but they'll be tested. They're, they're, they sell out every game, NC State at home. That's kind of another game that's on my radar, kind of a 1A, 1B that I really want to see. That'll really size up the Monarchs to see where they're at. I think NC State wins that one big, yeah. but I think the Monarchs are going to have their licks. That's going to be a big one to watch to see where they're going to land next week after that game. This team that we know is the UTEP Miners, second at number nine, down two spots from last. Somebody voted them like six, dude, yeah, when, man, I, when um, I was looking over it. Somebody, I, and I we had only had like four or five base UTEP riders out of our 15. I, I had them, uh, I think they're 11 or 12. I don't even have them at this point. But um, more than anything, and this was even before the loss of Jones, because I, I, most of us didn't know that Jones was going to be gone. I figured he'd be out for at least two weeks. Yeah, for sure. You know, I figured even if you know, that you'd hold him out these next two weeks. But, um so, again, this was before we knew that he'd be gone for the rest of the season. And the big thing is about it a little bit, but this defense has just been unable to play as, a, as those one complete unit and make plays, get off the field on third down. And that kind of stuff is going to come back on you later on in the season, man. If you're not able to get off the field on third down against some of these, these better pass rushing, these pass, passing teams in Conference USA, it's it's going to be a very long season. So until I see any progress from them, I don't think I can move them up, even with a win over NMSU and even with a win over, you know, Incarnate Word. Even sitting at 2-2, two and two, I don't know if I can break that top 10 with you. It's, it's going to take a lot for me. I had you to right on the 10th spot, and I you hit it right ahead. I got to see I got to see something that I'm going to feel that's going to translate into conference play to move the minors up. And I got I had to keep them on the top 10 this week. Charlotte 2-0 oh, coming in at number 10. 
and they're up two spots from number 12. They beat Presbyterian 34 to 10. Another team, I think they who they, who they Georgia State. Week one. So they got a decent win in week one. I think I had Charlotte definitely ahead of the minors. I think I had the minor eight, but you know, they're up there at number 10. They're moving their way up the up the up the lineup here, up the up the rankings, and, and they've got Middle Tennessee as we talked about a little while ago. So they'll have their chance reality to, check to prove it, or it could be a reality check and send them back down the rankings. But Florida like, comes in at 11, 20 to Miami, and it was pretty close for mm-hmm. about a half. They oh, were down, man. if I'm not mistaken, they were down like 20 to 17 early in the third. Ooh, like wow. And, and Miami a couple big plays, and, and it was actually one big play I think that they had that was like a third and 12. I was watching the highlight of it. And uh, it was like a third and 12 or something that, that they could get off the field in that play. They, they scored a touchdown on or something like that. And that took it to like a two-position game from there. It was pretty much over. But FAU looks much improved as well. I think now that 11th ranking is probably right. Fair, it's yeah. fair. It's fair. But they'll have their opportunity to move up in the ranking. They've got Buffalo this week. So maybe, maybe. just maybe That's going to be another game. There's a lot of games this week that are kind of like, okay, we're going to get a good gauge on where these teams actually rank. And that's another one right there, man. Number two. Of UTSA, I think this is a bit unfair because UTSA has been pretty competitive. A lot of people put them last, man. Like we had like three or four people that put them last. In the, in the I, I think that's probably all. The- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but uh, but no, I, I think really I think it's a bit unfair. Just, I just think they've been they've been more competitive than it's like UTSA. So just that in and of itself should be putting them ahead. But either way, UTSA number twelve coming off two losses to the top. Got another one this week. You know, I think their scheduling was kind of like, you know, what fifth year, and they were probably thinking that they could possibly be an independent. I was reading some stuff about that. What? Yeah, that that maybe like when they first first started out, that there was possibility oh, of, of that. that you, like, no, no, that their scheduling in the future was kind yeah, of being yeah. like they've been uh, independent. So now we're seeing that, and and I think that may hurt the team because I think Oklahoma State. is they yeah, got them last year. Oklahoma State's a lot better. They come in ranked 25th. I really hope that a, a big loss doesn't fracture a team like UTSA because, like you said, they played competitive, and that was the big thing last year. I think so many losses just kind of split that locker room, and I really hope that don't happen again because, you know, we need another team in the West to kind of compete in, you know, so that's, that's going to be kind of another game where you kind of want to watch to kind of gauge where this team's going to go after getting – coming off a tough loss and then getting beat last last week in the fourth quarter – now against another really good team in Oklahoma State. Hope that UTSA can stay healthy and, and you know, like, not fracture and not, you know, lose confidence in their guys. But ended out number 13, North Texas. Honestly, my take of them, there's not much to say when you get beat 31 to 13. I, mean, I didn't see that game, yeah. but I know of SMU's I mean, SM, down in the SMU, past. But... SMU hung with Baylor a couple weeks ago yeah, for, for about yeah, two, two and a half quarters. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's not enough there to make an opinion of them yeah, either. I agree. Uh, I mean, the jury's still out, but I think for where we are right now in the season with them having to buy in week one and then they lost to SMU, I mean, 31-13, I think it's pretty fair. You know what the biggest thing that we haven't talked about or we haven't broke down? Me and you played each other in fantasy this week. Do we really? Yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> and I lost this week, man. I lost this week. There was I had a, a point, bad day. There was a, a bad point, week. there was a point where um, where – the Niners hadn't allowed the Vikings to score yet, and I had the Niners defense, and I was up by like a point, but that field goal took me into the loss. So, so that that those three points killed my win last week. I lost by like less than three points, I think. But anyway, well, I just picked James Jones on the waiver wire, so don't be trying to veto it for me because I need, but I need, I need another. I'm my have, running back. Have, have the waivers already gone through? Tomorrow it said tomorrow. I don't. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure, what number are you? In the I think I'm. 
fifth or sixth. Yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to get him. But I feel he was already a free agent, though. Oh, you so, already yeah, had him on yeah. your team? No, I didn't. I just scooped him up from the free agent pool. Well, see, the way the waiver wire works. I, I, it's been a while since I played fantasy football. The way the, way the waiver wire works is like you pick him up in order, right? But every team picks. Uh, so, in other words, whoever's first in the waiver, second, third, they all have the opportunity to pick up a player, and then you're sixth to choose. Damn, so, if somebody that's ahead of you chooses Dan Holmes, then they get him. Because, yeah, I need some rack up on that team. I got Reggie Bush who went out. Yeah. <laughs> and it looked good. Like, first, I was like, oh, man, you know, he made he for me. He but, did make a couple plays early on. But, uh, yeah, but that's going to be a, that'll be something that we should kind of talk about, especially with the close one next week. So, Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Rush Podcast in the box. Tough one, tough day for Miners. Uh, and Aaron California, El Paso. California, El Paso, the East Coast. And Austin, else, Texas, Austin, what's Texas, up? Texas, and all the, all, everybody in between, but. Yeah, man. Um, we'll, we'll know a lot more about the team in just a few days. Really, we're going to have to find out what they're made of. That's, that's just the bottom line. We're going to find out what they're made of, and we're going to find out what this coaching staff has in store because it's going to take some serious changes if this team's going to have anywhere near the success they faced last year. No? Y'all know where to find us? Minorrush.com.com, uh, Facebook.com slash Minorrush, at SBN Rush on Twitter, and you can find uh on Snapchat at Poppy Chulo Sexy nine one five, right? I changed it. I changed it. I, 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 too many of these. Never mind. Ah, uh, right, check it out later.